you don't listen to other podcasts, so I'm sure you haven't seen that there's like a there's like a podcast meme going around of people asking each other what their favorite condiment is. Are you familiar with this? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I'm not familiar with this. Not familiar with this. So, where, did, uh, where did this start? <laughs> uh, it started uh, from Aaron on, I think one of the one of the Jackal shows, and then he took it to his show, and then there was the 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 episode of the Jackal show that Rye was on, and he he was asked the similar question, and it it, it it's going around in a few places. Ah, uh, I think he said he got it on four different podcasts uh, in this past week or so. So he told me to ask you, my favorite condiment is. Yeah, what's your favorite condiment? Well, it depends on what I'm eating. Um, There's no such thing as a universal condiment. Well, okay. I right, condemn that. <laughs> I, have, I have condemnation for universal condiments. Like well, people who I, just put ketchup on everything, they're the worst. But ketchup well, for, is great on certain things. Ketchup's great on like two things, like hamburgers and french fries. Uh, and maybe and corn, hot dogs? Maybe corn dogs. Corn dogs. Okay, corn dogs. Yeah, hot dogs too. But like, mm. let's say... Hash um, browns. Do you like on hash browns? Uh, actually, you know, honestly, with potato-based things, including fries, I, I, I've gone to eating them without uh, ketchup these days, which is odd. But it's just—it's usually because I'm eating the French fries while I'm driving from wherever I bought them back to my house, so they, they never oh. make it home in time for the uh, the ketchup to be installed upon them. Oh, good, because you're in such a rush. <laughs> I I'm often hungry, and I wait uh, until the last minute to decide what I'm going to eat. And then uh, I have to drive 40 minutes each direction to go get food or whatever. So, yeah, it's, it's, why, why bother waiting? It takes you 40 minutes to get somewhere that has French fries? <laughs> I'll put it to you this way. If it wasn't so messy, uh, the drive back to my house from In-N-Out Burger, I would have eaten all of my food by the, before I got to my house. And then had like five minutes to like, you know, clean all of the, the, the ketchup and cheese off my face. Well, then why don't you just eat there? <laughs> you mean like go inside by myself? Well, I mean, you're, we'd be no worse than all the other people that are in there. Have you seen the other people that go inside of an in and out? <laughs> yeah, but most of them are by themselves. So, mm. uh, although I do, I mean, if I'm if I am eating by myself and I'm not uh, picking up other uh, food for other people, I will just like you know park in the parking lot because it's next to a Lowe's. There's a nice big parking lot, so you just park in the Lowe's and eat your hamburger there uh, and cry into your fries and then leave. Okay. But often if I'm picking up food for other people, I'll just eat my fries while I'm driving back and then uh, I'll, I'll resist eating the hamburger while I'm driving and then I'll eat that with the other people. This is a really cool condiment story that somehow yeah, spiraled. Totally. So, uh, I was trying to get to you know uh, a food that like takes multiple types of condiments like pizza or something. Do you put condiments on pizza or do you just go with what the, what the chef applies for you? Uh, does red pepper flake count as a condiment? I mean, I guess, but I was more going with are you, are you a ranch or hot sauce person on pizza? Uh, neither. That is disgusting. Why would you do that? Are you kidding me? What do you mean, am I kidding you? Of course I am not. My indignation could not be any higher right now. <laughs> you put ranch all, on a pizza? You, uh, you dip. Um, both of them are delicious. I don't suggest are, are doing we, them both at the same time. Are we at a Buffalo time. Wild Wings and your pizza is suddenly <laughs> wild with wings? I mean, no, why, why, why no. would you do that? Hot sauce is delicious on pizza. Ranch is delicious on pizza. Separately, okay. they are both great. Define hot sauce. Uh, for pizza, I'm I'm partial to uh, a Frank's Red Hot, but you can also use uh, Tapatio. It works just as well. Oh, good. So, uh, vinegar. Um, yeah, spicy vinegar. Spicy vinegar on a pizza. It works. Trust me. Uh, you put pineapple on it. How are you judging me for doing hot sauce? Because I can. 
Anyway, so uh, if you have pepperoni, then you don't need the hot sauce because it's spicy. Not true at all, because I always order spicy with extra spicy. Oh, of course. So you can't have pepperoni with extra pepperoni because then they'd look at you like you were weird. So you have pepperoni with hot sauce. Look, you know, sometimes you just got to do some something to mask the fact that you're ordering and eating terrible pizza. Well, that's what the crushed red pepper flake is for. Crushed red pepper flake is dry and it's like crunchy and it gets in your teeth. That is completely the opposite of what I want. No, it's supposed to 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 float in the orange grease for a little bit and then it just kind of like <laughs> mellows out. I you don't no, put it I, on top of cold pizza. No, I That's, know I understand that, but it's still it's it's not a replacement for hot sauce. Okay. All right, so let's get back to condiments. You say you are opposed to universal condiments, so let's pick a food. Uh, I, I guess. Of foods that you put condiments on, which food do you like the most? And then in turn, what condiment do you like on that food that accepts condiments the most? It depends on my mood. Oh, God, you are the worst. What do you mean I'm the worst? I'm a flexible human being that that can adapt to environments and situations and mood swings. I mean, whatever I feel like. Just you just name something and I'll tell you what goes on it. By the way, we just got a uh, uh, a tweet uh, team hashtag hot sauce pizza from Aaron L M Goodwin, so I'm not the only one. All right, so um, it's not um, that hard. Just name something and I'll tell you. I what guess goes hot on dogs. Are you just are you just like a, a, a standard ketchup mustard hot dog person? Do you ever go sauerkraut? Do you ever just go mustard only? Uh, I I will go ketchup only, but never mustard only. Hmm. And, and you, I know that's sacrilege because people are like, oh, you can't put ketchup on a hot dog. That's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, don't don't let anyone from Chicago hear you say that because for some reason they hate ketchup. I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, well, that's because all that, that green food coloring and their relish has affected their minds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always get yelled at uh, when we go to this place in uh, Arcadia that has a uh, slider, Chicago Hamburger Company. A friend of mine who's from Chicago says the only way you can eat sliders are uh, onions and pickles. No cheese, no ketchup. Uh, I think mustard might be permitted, but I always like to get cheese and ketchup, and he just shakes his head at me the whole time he's eating. Well, I mean, there's no such thing as there's only one right way to do something, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I think years ago I ran that past Dr. Dragon, and he said there is uh, there are no restrictions on sliders. Yeah, I mean, it's just whatever his personal hangups are, he's projecting onto you, kind of yeah. like you do with pineapple. <laughs> Look, I don't have an issue with pineapple. I just... I'm not a fan of how it gets mushy when it gets warm. Okay. Would you say pineapple is your favorite you, you, condiment? You, you want something, you know, when it, when, it, when it gets nice and hot, you want it to be hard, right? No, I'm just saying no. I don't want <laughs> hot pineapple. Okay. In, in most instances, I don't want my fruit to be hot. Uh-huh. See, so wait, you want unattractive? No, never mind. Um, uh, so... What is another food item that you would name since we've ruined hot dogs and I guess sliders? Um, what do you put on your eggs? First of all, do you eat the, do you eat like scrambled eggs of any sort, or are you just like uh, are you all sort of artisanal uh, eggs Benedict out there? No, I scrambled eggs. You know, eggs over easy or whatever. But okay, uh, what do you put on them? Uh, Cholula. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, is that your your go to hot sauce of choice? Uh, for eggs, yes. I think Cholula is better than Tapatio for eggs, but I will go for Tapatio as a backup. Um, well, ignoring the fact that those two are basically exactly the same thing, uh, what Mm. about, uh, what about Mexican food? Do you, do you go with like a house hot sauce slash salsa or do you, are are you comfortable with going Cholula or Tapatio? I usually go with whatever it 
came with inside of the thing that I had because it's usually pre-sauced. I'm not. Uh, I don't usually partake of the additional packages and uh, squirt bottles and stuff that are on the side at that point. Okay, now here's here's a question that um, I think has a right answer, but other people may disagree with. What is sriracha good for? Uh, bimbap, pho, uh, I don't know, Asian food stuff. You can mix I, it mix it with a little ketchup, and then you got something zesty to dip your fries in. I don't know. Uh, th- that that um that idea terrifies and horrifies me. But I do like I, I do approve of uh, Asian food, and I will also add the addendum of uh, Middle Eastern food is where sriracha should be restricted to. This this thing these days of putting sriracha on literally everything. Did you know you can get, well, I think it's like a Pizza Hut, they will put sriracha on your pizza for you. That that just, it's it's horrifying to me. Are you saying that Pizza Hut would do something wrong? Uh, I, I would indeed say that. Uh, from time to time, they have been known to make poor choices, uh, as has anyone who has ever eaten there. Okay. But, you know, it's 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 one of the two places that delivers to my house. The other one being Domino's. I would I would just make an effort to get out more, but I, I'm we'll we'll never agree on this one. Well, we don't we don't all have the luxury of having to leave our house and drive all the way to Burbank every single day. Yeah. <laughs> the only things between uh, where I sleep and where I work in terms of food are like pop tarts because I'm I'm literally walking from one side of my house to the other. Ah, uh, well, you know that does bring up a good question. I wonder why there aren't sriracha uh, pop tarts. Uh, well, considering they don't fit into the category of either Asian food or Mediterranean food, uh, I I think that's probably the reason. No, just that that horrible flat dough with like a little <laughs> spicy layer in between. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, the the best way to eat pop tarts is cold while you're driving on the freeway uh, to a college, fifteen minutes late for a class you're supposed to teach. Um, <laughs> that was the last time I ate pop tarts. I, I think there are some things that maybe you could read a little book by like uh, David Allen and uh, <laughs> get on there, buddy. Uh, is, is that the one that's uh, copyright David Co? What was it two thousand one? I can't even remember what yes. year it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to get the meme correctly. Yep. So I don't think we've settled on anything. Do you? Uh, is there a condiment that you actually, when, when you see in the store, you're like, you know what? I'm a little low on that. I'm going to make sure I buy some more because I always want to have that in the house. I want to make sure I never run out of X condiment. Uh, no, because I only know that I'm out of it when I go to get it from the fridge and it's not there. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to suss out your favorite condiment, but like, okay, so what would you be most disappointed in noticing at the last minute that you were out of? Would it be ketchup? Like you have a hot dog waiting to put some ketchup on it and you're just, you, you discover that you're out and you're very sad. Okay. Yes, but that's only in the case of having that. Like if I had eggs and I didn't have ketchup, then I would not be sad at all. Because <laughs> I, I would uh, only only a monster would put uh, ketchup on their eggs, or my cousin. <laughs> uh, I live with a monster, apparently. Oh, I'm so sorry for you. 
I, I think she, she's migrated to uh, Tapatio and uh, occasionally Sriracha. I, again, I'm not a fan of Sriracha on the, on the eggs, but uh, traditionally it has always been the ketchup, and that just baffles me. Sriracha is a little too harsh for eggs, I find. Sir, it's a little too harsh for a lot of things. That's why I think you got to go with things that have a little bit more of a potent flavor, like specifically, like, you know, uh, like the, the hummuses and the euros and things. That, those sorts of flavors lend themselves to, uh, uh, to Sriracha, I think. But anyway. Well, that's... Uh, you should try some harissa because um, they're really they really actually lend themselves to harissa uh, and and it's sort of similar but different hmm. uh, yeah. when we were in uh, Paris we went to the uh, uh, there's an Israeli uh, falafel place that's in the Marais and it is so good we went there the last time we went to Paris and we went there this past year uh, and it's delicious and you can buy their harissa in little jars to go. Unfortunately, they jar it themselves and they did not do a good job. So before we left Paris, uh, Jason had noticed that it was leaking on the outside. And I was, just, <laughs> and he's just like, well, do you think it's still good? And I'm like, it doesn't really matter. Do you want to take a leaking bottle of, uh, uh Harissa across the rest of Paris, uh, across the rest of France and then back across the United States? Um, and, and I talked him out of it. So we, we had to abandon it. Uh, lost, uh, 12 euros that day. You didn't, uh, like, chug it right at airport security, like that one lady with the bottle of whatever that was that they wouldn't let her take through to the airplane? Uh, that's a cool story, but no. Uh, we you, did you, not chug the Harissa, and it was a hotel. You didn't, uh, you didn't see that story going around? No. Uh, some woman tried to take a bottle of, I can't remember what liquor, through airport security, and they wouldn't let her, so she just chugged the entire 750-milliliter bottle of alcohol before security and uh, promptly vomited and blacked out everywhere. Well, thank you for that uplifting story, Dan. I mean, uh, you know, it's you don't want to waste something that good. Is I guess the point. Uh, waste not, want not. Okay, so moving past this and moving past uh, uh, other minor disagreements, we can we can we can arrive at a different sort of disagreement. A disagreement over film versus digital. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh this is an article you sent me yesterday. Uh, I guess it would have had to be yesterday because it actually happened yesterday. Uh, well, our article's kind of a loose term for it. <laughs> Somebody copied and pasted a bunch of tweets yeah. onto a web page. Some someone did uh, storyfy that they could monetize for themselves. But uh, so over at Film School Rejects, because uh, I, I I saw the Duncan Jones tweet, um, but I didn't see the whole back and forth on uh, on this. So. Uh, reading it all together, it's actually pretty great. And, uh, in, in, in a way to try to capture some of that, Dan and I are going to do a little, uh, role-playing. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do a, a dramatic recreation of this conversation on Twitter. Yeah. They, they call it a reading. Um, mm. so I will be Duncan Jones and you will be <laughs> Ryan Johnson. Yeah. And this, uh, this, I guess went down, uh, right around the time that the Star Wars trailer came out. Cause, uh. There was a lot of people watching the internet, and uh, of course, Ryan Johnson is on deck to uh, direct episode eight. Yeah, well, it was actually in the morning because it was October nineteenth. It started at ten a.m. Oh wow! Look yeah, that. it's amazing what uh, timestamps can do. Um, yeah, look at that. They're they're there and they're big and they're red. All right, so uh, <laughs> you, you want to just go through this and just uh, well, we do have a couple of guest speakers later down there, so we'll have to figure out who said that. Well, anyway. no, we're going to skip the guests. Okay, we'll skip uh, the guests. Yeah, because so, one of them stuffed the Rogan, and I I just don't care. Uh, you are, you are Duncan Jones mm -hmm. at Man Made Moon and I will be at Ryan Johnson. Mm -hmm. 
Shooting on film is just vinyl for movie hipsters. Discuss. You're just vinyl for movie hipsters. JJ gave you all of his short ends to shoot on, uh, to shoot on didn't he? Do you do Warcraft on the 6 or the 6S? Oh, we're doing this? How tough was it convincing the committee to let you frame up your own shots? <laughs> is your release going to be, uh, be multi-console? Says the guy who made the movie following the guy who followed up those three other movies that came after the ones we loved. All kidding aside, I'll be there opening night. I am so curious to see how you squeezed a fourth movie out of The Hobbit. Haha, <laughs> just laughing at how depressed your accountants are going to be when all that Star Wars money skips right past you to Lucas. The dusty banner above the Warcraft toy aisle. Hope you like orcs. Feel for you, Ryan. Everyone will already have the plastic crap they need by the time people stop buying merch from Episode 7. You laugh, but the eighth, but when the eighth installment of the Warcraft saga is coming out, you'll be facing the same challenges. <laughs> so, Episode 8. Guessing this time the baddies will be chasing a princess who will get help from a reluctant hero and his droids. Close? <laughs> And then uh, Chris McQuarrie chimes in, Seth Rogen chimes in, Keith Calder chimes in, and then we're back to Duncan Jones. That was better than therapy. Thanks, Ryan Johnson. Winky face. And then Ryan replied with a, uh, a gif, I believe. Yes. Yeah. That was, a, that, that was a fun little back and forth that they had there on the internet. I kinda, I'm kind of sad that I missed it happening in real time. Yeah. Me too. I, 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 and then I decided I would probably follow them. <laughs> <laughs> that would be better because uh, I only follow uh, Duncan Jones, but uh, so I missed the whole. That's why I missed the conversation. So the the reason you wanted to, oh, it's interesting. I only follow Ryan Johnson. That's uh, huh. ah, I guess wow. we picked sides appropriately there. So yeah. uh, is it safe to say then, uh, based on the fact that you follow Duncan Jones and you chose to do that role, that you are far more looking forward to the Warcraft movie than Episode Eight? Uh, that's wrong. <laughs> uh, I like Ryan Johnson. He seems like a good dude. Yeah, um, I haven't seen any of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> you never saw Looper? No, that's why I didn't follow him on Twitter. I didn't want him to be like, oh, hey, Joe. And then would be like, uh. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works usually. When you follow a, a big Hollywood director on, on Twitter, they just immediately tweet at you and go like, hey, man, what, what are you all about? What's my favorite movie that you've, you've, you've seen? You, you don't know. He could just be pulling names out of a hat and just randomly interrogating human beings. Uh, but, but I bought Looper. Um, how sad is that? I, I own it and I haven't watched it and I own it digitally so I could watch it anytime I want to on my phone. Uh, you you want to start watching it right now? Uh, sure. Sure. Good. All right. Start it up and then we'll, uh, we'll keep talking and you just keep it running in the background. I'm, I'm sure that'll, uh, make Did you buy it because, uh, we, we were going to do it for the show and then we just kind of changed or something? I can't remember. Uh, I asked you if it was any good and that we might do it on the show and then we just never circled back to that. But that's, that's not really anyone's fault. <laughs> it's not anyway sure it's uh nobody's fault that you bought a movie however many months ago and never watched it mm-hmm. well at least i own it i'm not some sort of horrible thief yeah i mean owning it is half the battle mm-hmm. <sighs> cgi joe <laughs> did you just say cgi joe yes well i mean this is a quasi visual effects podcast i don't know mm. what do you want well looper has a lot of practical effects and it was also shot on film so um yeah, I mean, there's whatever they did to that guy's face to make him try to <laughs> kind of look like Bruce Willis, sort of. Uh, his name is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm-hmm. I'm not and, familiar uh, with a... you say Joseph? That's a weird name. Yeah, that, that is his name. Uh, he has a really weird Twitter handle, though. Okay. 
Anyway, uh, we should uh, we should we should do Looper one of these days. It's a uh, it's a it's a it's a good movie. Okay, I mean it's fine. I'm sure I'm sure you'll enjoy it. There's uh there's uh vehicles that sort of hover and fly around and stuff. Okay, it's kind of futuristic. I know you're a fan of futuristic technology and what have you. Yeah, well, you know the future's good, except when it's the distant past, like when it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Are, are you saying it's bad in that instance? No, I mean then it's not the future. It's just the technical thing. Then, because mm. it always drives me nuts when people are just like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's futuristic stuff like Star Wars," and it's like, no, but that's it's not in the future. Like it literally says before every <laughs> single one of those movies that it's in the past. So. So, so you you feel it's appropriate to uh, Joe Van Hoot them? Uh, well, I don't even I don't even think it's on that level. Like it says on a giant title card in front of six movies that it's a long time ago in a galaxy far far away. Mm. So, do, do we know yeah. uh, how far away from the current time period episode seven will be? Uh, I think it's supposed to be in terms of real time elapsed from when return of the jedi was released so like 30 years ish hmm. interesting mm-hmm. well i mean you know the actors are old so <laughs> what are you sure. gonna do <laughs> uh you, you can make them look young again with uh computer effects but that's not what jg is about jg is about practical effects there aren't any computers used at all in that trailer <laughs> <laughs> uh he, he i think he's about a a blending of the two things yeah, I think I think he he is about a blending of the two things, and I think that uh, many people have uh, chewed hard on the the marketing line they've been given of all of the return to practical effects in film and stuff. So, uh, you know, it's it, that's not really what's going to make or break the film. You you can do stuff with little puppets. That's not good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just that's a fact. You can, you can, you don't even have to double check on that one. You can just like stick your head around, like load up any old movie puppets. Mm. So, uh, did you, did you jump on the internet to buy tickets for star Wars yesterday? Uh, no, cause I'm waiting till whatever is going on dies out a little bit and then I'll go buy something. Cause yeah, I, I'm it's not also, entirely sure what the frenzy is going to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, they, they, Disney has worked everyone up into like such a fervor. Like they, they just chum the water with this trailer and like the trailer previews and the, uh, I, I can't deal with that stuff. Like when you're cutting together part of your trailer as a little teaser to when the trailer will be released, then I think there is something fundamentally wrong with the way that we market films because that's bananas. Like the, you just released the trailer. Like, are they worried no one's going to watch it? I, I have some news for them. People are going to watch it because it is Star Wars. You could, you could, you could have this open up in theaters tomorrow and just be like, "Hey, here's Star Wars," and then people would stampede. People would be crushed, killed under the flow of nerds into that building because they want to see it so badly. So mm-hmm. I don't understand all of this, like trying to like, you know, churn up interest with the the like mini teaser to a trailer like <laughs> like oh it'll be on during a football game you guys got to tune in like just release the thing it, 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 like <laughs> what is this uh yeah yeah i'm with you uh i mean the movie could have uh, a 20 minute sequence of job of the hut taking a dump uh and i think everyone would still just love to rush to go see it there's like there's almost nothing they could do to screw up the release of this movie yeah well 
it's one of those things where it's like the opening box office for this thing is going to be ginormous. And so there is no need to like really make sure that people know that it's there because people know that it's there. Uh, <laughs> it's only what, been how many years in the works that they've been talking about it? Yeah, and, and there's such interest for this one particular thing, like more than any other franchise opportunity. So, you know, I mean, more than Jurassic World. <laughs> franchise opportunity, you make it sound like it's a Chick-fil-A or something. Well, I mean, it sort of is. I mean, it... it the, Here's this guy. He has the authorization to open up this thing and put the name on it. Here it is. It's a franchise. Uh, so, it, like, it has more interest than Jurassic World. It has more interest than uh, Star Trek. It has more interest than than any of this other stuff. So, I, I don't understand the uh, the the need to work up people into a frenzy, and I don't understand like releasing toys and merchandise that people can buy now when they haven't seen the film. I, that I also don't understand. It's like... Yeah, it's just a uh, cash grab. Yeah, well, no, but it's just like... Yes, I, I totally want to dress up as this character for ca- Halloween in this movie that I haven't seen. I don't know what they do or what they're about, but I want to be them. Like, I, I don't understand any of that. But but people are so into this. Which raises another interesting thing, where I think that perhaps the uh, uh, interest level is so high... The hype, as you will, is, if you will, is so high that there's a very real chance that they're setting themselves up to have a crushing letdown after this movie comes out. Because I don't know if anyone's familiar with what happened with the gigantic buildup towards episode one and then the crushing letdown after that. But this is sort of can be along those lines if we're not careful. I mean... J.J. might turn out a perfectly competent film that just doesn't live up to whatever it is that we have in our minds. <laughs> you mean like Star Trek? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people who are into Star Trek who are very dissatisfied with the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. but and, and they say, oh, well, they're fine action movies, but they're not Star Trek. And I can just see all the Star Wars nerds turning out to say exactly the same thing. They're just be like, oh, it's a perfectly fine movie, but it's not Star Wars. Only only the original trilogy. Oh, really? The original trilogy? What about A New Hope? Oh, that movie's not really that good, but uh, Empire Strikes Back is good. Well, what about Return <laughs> of the Jedi? Oh, well, that one's silly with all the Ewoks and stuff. Oh, so you really only like one movie. Okay, just checking. So you're crushed that no one has made another Empire Strikes Back again ever. That's, that is that is your your sole claim to fame. In your, your fandom. <sighs> well, uh, based on this trailer, there, there seems to be some uh, Empire-related things, and they're following up on previous actions, so they, they might so do some striking backing. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Or, or backstrike trying, or I, I don't know, Empire's trying, or no, that's, there's, there's nothing to do with that. Uh, so. Star Wars. Yeah. And uh, if anyone's looking forward to a detailed analysis, uh, frame by frame, Zapruder style of this, uh, I we're not doing that because, like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I don't care either. No, it, we we just want to curse, mention it in a cursory fashion. Like it, it 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 exists and it is news and people should go see it. Probably, I guess it's gonna be uh, a, it's gonna be a good yeah. movie. I'm quite sure JJ has a has a pretty good track record. I mean, whether or not you think. He has treated franchises appropriately. He's a, he's a good filmmaker. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think it's going to be a flaming turd. Like that's that's <laughs> not it's not anything that's even crossed my mind with this. No, not not going to happen. 
No, but uh, I mean, there. Are, I'm sure there will be things to say that are critical of whatever he does that he turns in. But uh, at this stage, it it seems r- ridiculous to point it out. Uh, so let him do his thing. And then you know they had the movie poster, and everybody was just like, "Ah, oh, what does this thing mean?" And there's like the thing with the little red thing and whatever. And there are people who are avoiding looking at the posters. There are people who are avoiding looking at its trailers. There are people who are avoiding uh, anything having to do with it. Uh, tweets, uh, speculative analysis about what what might be inside of the trailers and things. And it's just like, okay, I, that's, that's another different extreme from what I feel. They're uh, avoiding all of these things and yet completely unable to avoid the hype going along with the movie. Yeah, because then then you're also building it up in a different way where you're just like, oh, man, this is going to be so good because I'm not paying any attention to anything. That means that it can't be a letdown because it'll be so amazing. And then you go <laughs> yeah, and you sit down. Knowing and how you, many things yeah. that are out there that you're actively not paying attention to sort of makes you realize how much is going on at the same time. Like if you were completely oblivious to the fact that marketing existed, you'd be OK. But if you know that you're actively avoiding a poster and a trailer that is apparently got spoilers in it and then this other thing going on over here and it's like. The fact that you know those things exist kind of means that you are not living in your own little bubble and you're just just watch the trailer. Who cares? Yeah. Also, it is marketing material. I mean, I can understand with some things where the marketing might ruin the experience because it explains too much about uh, the, the detailed events of the film. Like we have seen over the years many times where the basically the entire plot is explained inside of the trailer uh people still go see it anyways uh we've also seen occasions where entire action beats from something have been explained like uh tomorrowland where it was just like these are robots and there are things and there's stuff that one trailer that just showed like a four minute sequence of the movie yeah it was just like what are you guys doing exactly um because now i know they escaped this thing but i guess i didn't need to know that i still don't know what's happening in the film but whatever you guys rolled it out uh so i i like it's not one of those kind of trailers, so I, I don't understand what the, all the fuss is about, all the hubbub, if you will. Mm. Yeah. Now, now I now I regret not watching the trailer for Alien before we watch the movie this evening. Which, hey, by the way, that's our movie for tonight. We have a movie, Alien, the singular version. Is there, is there more to that song there, Elliot? Uh, it was 1979, and the movie came out. It was called Alien by Ridley Scott. No, that's all I got. Hey, that rhymed. Uh, my eyes are closed. <laughs> just slowly shaking your head at your microphone. No, I, I can't even shake. Like everything, everything just clenched up inside of me. <laughs> uh, sorry to make you clench. Uh huh. Okay, I, 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 I'm I'm coming down off of off of that pain. Uh, I thought so, that's what you wanted. I thought that's what you wanted. Well, you know, sometimes you think you want something, and then you get. Star Wars Episode Seven: The Biggest Disappointment Ever. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, <laughs> is that the tagline for it? The biggest disappointment ever. Yeah, they could, they could just have to run with that. But uh, so, uh, Alien is interesting because it is also another franchise, if you will, uh, that has probably seen better days. I would say uh, the the high point of the franchise might very well be Aliens. Uh, that 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 could be the the one by Jim Cameron. Um, I think that. Alien is a good movie too, but uh, I think Aliens might be my favorite. Uh, I, I used to say they were the same. I used to say I liked them both even equally, but in different ways. But after going back and like really hunkering down to watch this again for the first time in like ten years, start to finish, I was like, you know, 
I think I still like aliens more than this, so I'm, I'm definitely going to shift that way. Mm. See, there are, you know, we haven't even gotten into this one yet, and we're already comparing it to the sequel. But um, I think there are a lot of things about aliens that are that that is good. First of all, I don't think it suffers from as low a budget as this one. Um, but I think it, it trades a lot of suspense for action and it's not always successful. Like I'm not, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Newt in the second one and the fact that she is there as a plot device. Uh, but at, le- uh, at least she's not a cat. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, when, when you're embarking on a long journey, uh, by yourself, sometimes you want to have a cat there for uh, companionship. Yeah. Well, someday you will have a kid or something and then you'll be like, oh, the thought of losing a child means something to me now. I can identify more with this experience in the film. Whereas, yeah, you, you know how they say mm-hmm. uh, you hate everyone's children except your own. Uh, Newt, Newt was not her daughter, so okay. So I, I'm basically saying she, there's no way she should have cared about. Newt. Anyway, that's not. Uh, it's not really the point. Can you um, stop I, like I, smashing whatever it is on your table? Yeah, sorry, that was uh, my watch hitting the desk. Um. um <laughs> Aside from the fact that this one is very low budget, I do think this movie uh, suffers from being... Uh, God, now I'm going to sound like a film snob. I think this one suffers from being watched in the home because this is definitely one that would benefit from being seen in a theater. Uh, I, like you said, now I'm going to sound like a film snob. <laughs> now, I, I'm not just, I'm just not that now. person. I'm not that person who likes to stand up no. principle and says, no, if you're not watching a movie in a theater, you're not getting the full experience. But I do think in this particular instance, since so much of the suspense of this movie, which is really all it has, the suspense and sort of the the, the, the waiting and the, the wondering when things are going to happen and the terror of it all, uh, is, is going to be dramatically amplified uh, if you're in a, uh, a theater because, the, you know, loud sounds. Uh, big bright screen. Although there are two very cheap jump scares in this movie that uh, I, I rolled my eyes at quite hard. Yeah, well, I would say that this movie relies a lot on atmosphere uh, in order to convey that suspense. And I do agree with you that it really benefits from your attention. I don't know if it necessarily requires an actual theater, but it does require your attention uh, fully to be placed on it. And I wouldn't watch it like during the day with the, the blinds open. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just think it would be fun to watch this in a theater where the surround sound, like especially at the end there when you've got the self-destruct sequence, I think that that sound and I'm sure the, it, it is atmosphere basically, but I think that environment would be uh, fun to watch in a theater. So maybe it's not that you really should watch in a theater. I just think it would be more enjoyable to watch it there. Yeah. You don't sit there, you know, in in on the bus or whatever watching this on your iphone this, it's not going to do anything for you uh that's uh, it's just not you're not going to be immersed in that and also don't like you know f-, f around on twitter like that's that's not what this movie is uh really geared towards there are plenty of other things we've watched on this podcast that you can just do whatever you want like <laughs> oh speaking wash of you dishes just- whatever you feel like you just reminded me of something I was going to say earlier. You mentioned uh, Jurassic World, and now that that is on uh, uh, iTunes, uh, we, we saw it like scrolling through or whatever on the Apple TV, and Amanda actually said, uh, do you think if we, we bought it and watched it again, I would stay awake this time? And I just started laughing because she fell asleep so hard when we saw it in the theater. And uh, I said, no, we're, we're going to skip that. So that's, that's one that, uh, I don't know, you could probably maybe watch a little bit. Uh, I, I wouldn't say while you're doing the dishes, but at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 
I can't picture really falling asleep to Alien except for like the first 20 minutes, probably. <laughs> well, aside from the fact that once you've got the volume uh, turned up to where you can hear the voices, anytime something happens uh, in the movie that is not someone talking, it is jarringly loud. Yes. Uh, see, that is an interesting choice they made with the sound mix. Uh, and basically all of the dialogue in here has some problems with I, the mics picking up like some noise and the, it's it's really strange like, there, there's some adr that's not in sync there's some mm-hmm. stuff that like uh there's that one scene uh kind of close to the beginning there where ripley is working on something the other two guys approach asking about their uh their credits or their stock or whatever and it, it, like th- there are two instances where like her audio basically like cuts out as if she was turning and looking down the hall or something and the mic just was not pointed that in direction which is very odd well it's supposed to be hard to understand her like they're purposefully doing that with the with the venting noise uh that 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 part was on them on purpose but there is some weird adr stuff where her lips are not doing what she's saying in a couple of those shots but uh it's more like uh when they're sitting down to eat around that table uh in the like mess hall area like that audio there is always terrible i don't know what microphone they had to use to record that but it 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 always just sounds awful and flat and noisy it's it's really strange by today's standards they probably recorded it with the blue yeti yes or snowball (laughs) we're supposed to make fun of the blue yeti right Mm. Uh, or something i don't know we we, we don't have them anymore so we're, we're better than everyone else yes they're cheaper microphones but uh dynamic and condensers and i don't know uh so <laughs> how does sound work it's mm-hmm. uh it's a very uh as you mentioned uh in the slack there when we were talking about it uh it, it's a much slower movie than you remember but again a lot of that sort of it appropriately builds the tension because i mean there's not a lot that happens in this movie so if you ramp up too quickly in this movie you're gonna be bored or sorely disappointed or both but um what did I say? It took like 17 minutes uh, in the beginning of this movie for them to just like basically check their space email and then like uh, go land their ship on the planet because uh, their, their space email told them to go check something out. Like that's that's 17 minutes. That would be like 45 seconds in, uh, well, probably in Prometheus these days. Mm. Well, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I, I don't think a modern filmmaker and not even Ridley Scott when he came back and revisited this uh sort of thing i guess you could say uh w- would really spend the time on 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 it but uh it does build tension because you don't really know anything uh you you're watching to see what it it sort of like presents to you and it also builds tension in a different way where uh it, it sort of disorients you in the way that uh you're moving through this empty ship and it's sort of like, well, is it really empty? Is somebody just going to be like around a corner somewhere? Uh, there are a couple of like jump cuts where it moves around. It finally gets up to the bridge. There's that one weird like moving thing. You're like, Oh, maybe that's something. Oh no. It's just like a turning brick that they have there for Mm -hmm. some reason. Uh, and then you see like all the helmets and the reflection, uh, from the display as it kicks on and makes like dot matrix printer noises. Uh, and in, there are a whole slew of jump cuts in there, like really quick back and forth between the terminal and the helmet and then helmet to helmet a couple of times, uh, just to, just to really sort of like unsettle you as the audience. And are just like, what am I looking at? Like, why are we, 
There, yeah. And there's a temptation to to be cynical and say like, okay, this is a super low budget movie, so they couldn't do a lot of different things with it. And that's where the temptation came to sort of like really slow down and explore this ship. But I think it's more than that. I think that it actually does a good job of making this sort of uh, spaceship and the things that they're doing on the spaceship feel as if it were somebody's regular day-to-day business. Like this isn't like, oh boy, look at us, we're in space now. Like this is just... They're every day. This is their job. This is it's sort of it's commonplace, and it, it sort of relaxes you a little bit. You're exploring this ship, and you're just getting getting used to the environment, and you're you're seeing all of the fun blinky lights, and you're exploring the uh, the art department's work, which is nice. But it does a good job of sort of settling you into this sort of uh, sense of security, where it's just like, okay, this is just there shouldn't be any heightened pretense going into this. This is just somebody's day job, and then we're we're going to get to the story later. And uh, I think that works really well. And it also does a decent job, I think, of sort of uh, kind of highlighting the isolation of space. I'm sure there was at least a fair amount of thought put into the fact that, you know, uh, these guys are all alone way out there. They're, they're stranded. And, you know, the less you see of these people together or just these compartments where it's all just empty and dark and quiet, uh, it, it sort of, again, gives you that that feeling of the fact that you're you're out there in in, in the wild on your own. And uh, God help you if something goes wrong. Yeah, and uh, when we finally get to uh, the part where the crew starts waking up, where we have a couple like nice slow dissolves uh, instead of jump cuts, uh, <laughs> as as the tubes all open up, uh, the I, lights I are on. I thought I had fallen asleep for five minutes, and then because I blinked basically, and then there was the dissolve, and it's like, oh, oh, there's people now. Yeah, and. You know, you, you see them all waking up, and they take off their little patch things, and uh, they're all talking about how they're basically going to be home, and they're all eating and you know having a good old time. And the uh, captain, Captain Dallas, uh, Tom Skerritt, uh, he goes off to talk to Mother and get the the down low on everything, uh, which is entertaining because he has to walk through a doorway put his thumb on top of a little fingerprint reader of some sort and then punch in some keys on like a eight digit pad. <laughs> and then he lifts that up and there's a switch. And then he walks like halfway down the hall and then he takes out like a random card. <laughs> he puts it in another <laughs> slot and then he sticks his hand inside of like a little cubby hole <laughs> and then like clicks something back there and then it opens. It's like, okay, so now you've done the secret handshake to get inside <laughs> of the computer room. It's a, they're inventing the space procedural. Yeah, it was it was very strange. I, I that's one of those things where you watch it now and you're just like, how was this the future? Uh, Although the the, uh, the the dome shaped room full of glowy buttons is is pretty iconic these days. Well, it's iconic, but it's it's not. It's stupid. I mean, they've yeah. got like what, like four seven inch CRT monitors around the room, and then the rest are just like little blinky white lights. Yeah, and don't forget, you have to ask the computer everything through a really clicky keyboard. <laughs> And sure. uh, you have to, like, like, as if it were like Zork or a text adventure or something, <laughs> like inventory, click. Uh, but uh, the uh, uh, fascinating thing about this is just that it's supposed to be the future, but it is very much like a future that you would imagine if you were in the 70s. Like, uh, and as you can quickly see, uh, if you fast forward a little through the the few years of the Alien franchise, they they they've had to move past this particular future. And by the time they got to doing Prometheus and circling back to this, 
they had to redo everything. So uh, there's all kinds <laughs> well, of technology that shouldn't really be there for something that is supposed to be before this. Yeah, I think Prometheus is going to be uh, equally as embarrassing in another 30 years. Is It's basically, uh, well, all of the modern futuristic tropes in space movies these days are like holographic map tables and clear plastic screens that you can touch that float sort of in front of your uh, sort of captain's chair. Yeah, well, that's what deep compositing is for, Dan. Um, but <laughs> I mean, but that's that's about as far as our imaginations have gone. Is just three uh, D map tables. Yeah, uh, one one time I saw somebody demo the deep compositing that they did on Prometheus with the uh, the holosphere and like putting the character in there and stuff, and it was just like it was impressive, but didn't save that movie. Uh, so <laughs> back to this one. Uh, yeah. With, there's, uh, there's some cool stuff with Deep, but we shouldn't get off on that tangent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll save that for the Prometheus podcast. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> By the way, can I get this out of the way now? Can uh-huh. we not do Prometheus? Because that will that one will be Snowpiercer level of just shitting all over a movie. Yeah, I basically have nothing positive to say about that at all, except that I like Michael Fassbender. I mean, um, it's it's a beautiful looking movie. The cinematography is is wonderful, and the effects are great. But the movie is just a giant turd. Yes. Yep. yep anyway, yep. back to this one, which is not a giant turd. Although, again, mm-hmm. this movie, uh, it, it's one of those ones where, and it's weird to say, like the 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 scope of this movie because the scope is literally uh, space travel and moving from planet to planet, all that fun stuff. But it's actually a very small movie in terms of its actual scope and the, that sort of intimacy and just sort of the the limited environment in which they have to work is really kind of what makes it. Uh, scary and it's what makes you care about the people that are in it because I mean there's not a whole lot that happens in this there's not a ton of people Uh, most of them die and you know how they're gonna die and uh, you're just sort of waiting for it to happen yeah and well I think this is the kind of movie you go into when you basically expect everyone will die but uh, so it 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 still engages your uh, uh, cognitive abilities as you sit there wondering how are they going to die <laughs> like what, what what horrible thing will befall them uh when will it happen uh will it be when they they're really stupid and go inside of the big alien thing it will it be when they say oh hey you know what there's a hole in the floor let's go down that um but there's <laughs> i really like that one where uh oh god what's his name uh brett goes into that sort of bay that has like a skylight with rain coming through it and he just sort of stands there and like bathes in the rain for a while, closing his eyes. That sequence has to be like four minutes long of him just standing there with his eyes closed, letting rain hit his face. And it's like, is something going to sneak up behind him and kill him? Yeah. Well, no, no. no? All right. Okay, cool. It's not really rain. It's condensation. Whatever. Uh, it's it's, yeah. it's rain in a skylight. Yeah. Well, uh, it's like rain on your alien day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sure is. Uh huh. And so, uh, let, let's, let's, let's you want to sing that one? You want to sing that one? No, I'm, I'm, I'm really good not singing that. Uh, so they discovered much to their chagrin that the company is requiring that they go investigate a signal that they're receiving, uh, because they found it and it is part of protocol. Uh, and I love the fact that what company, why is this an order? What's the structure? We don't know. We don't care. We just move right past it. Well, it's the company. It's the man. It's it's it, the man. Yeah. It's they're they're keeping you down. Um. Well, I mean, it's the seventies. Like basically, everything was the worst. Uh. So they they have a uh, nice little back and forth with uh with Parker and Ray. Like really concerned about 
the uh, shares that they will be getting and all that. Um, there, there's a lot of focus on shares because you can't really say like dollars because that doesn't really sound futuristic, but shares of a company or something. I don't know. That's why all of uh, all future currency in movies is called like credits or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, well, I, need ten, I need 10 million credits. Yep. Well, credits are credits are the future because uh, you can't you can't like give people debits. That doesn't make any sense. But uh, so they go through this whole rigmarole with the oh I don't want to I want to go back to Earth and well you have to because otherwise we'll take all your money away and it's like okay fine I really am very interested in this thing now uh, and they decide that they will take the uh, Nostromo which up until this point the audience assumed was the big four tower like. I don't know, space brick uh, thing flying along. Uh, and they, they go, okay, so we'll, we'll take the little tiny ship that's actually part of that down on this impractical uh, umbilical thing that extends and then shoots our little ship down. Sure. It sort of uh, holds it out into the air and then drops it because that's important in zero gravity. Yeah. Well, the landing sequence takes quite a while. And now I understand landing on a planet does actually take quite a while but yeah and this is again the part where they sort of kind of make it just like casual nobody's like oh god we have to disembark from the main ship and take the shuttle down we've never done that before like no this is something they've done hundreds of times and they're they're not at all worried about it they're just completely casual because this this is just their job this is just a thing they do and i think they do a great job of just completely downplaying the whole thing even up until the point where it lands and like stubs a toe on a rock and then suddenly sparks start shooting out of everything or whatever because Apparently the spaceship is incredibly flimsy, but even then they're just like, well, we got it. We got damage here. We got damage here. We got to assess that. We got to fix this and that. And it's just like, nobody's freaking out or anything yet. The, the, no, nobody's going uh, Bill Paxton from aliens on this one yet. They're just sort of like, well, we got, uh, we got some broken stuff here. We got to fix this and let's, let's, let's move along. Yeah. Mostly people just don't want to do work and, <laughs> and that's incredibly realistic and relatable. Yeah. It, it, Cause it's not like oh, what a crisis, we're completely out of everything, we're going to die. It's like, uh, this is just a pain in the butt. Like, uh, uh, to this point in the movie, this is all like part of, because they're, they're commercial operation. This isn't like boldly going where no one has gone before. They're just, they're screwing around on some planet. Uh, but they, they do this sort of thing all the time. They're a towing crew thing. Now they're going down to investigate this signal. They get out there to go do that by deciding that they will send a little party out uh, and, uh, well, let, let's not skip past the surge protectors exploding. Like you said, um, <laughs> that like firecrackers, everything's just going off and there's noise and people are like locked down the things and there's stuff happening. It's not good. Uh, but once they get their little tow barge back under control, uh, and assess the damage and say, you know, it, this stuff we can't fix until we get back to dry dock, but this stuff we can fix. And then there's a nice little moment of, I don't know, 17 hours. And he says 25 hours. It's like, aha, that's nice. I like that. Um, cause they're, they're, uh, you know, not, not really that motivated to work hard for the money. Uh, I mean, not and, until he gets his bonuses like everyone else. Yeah. Not until he gets paid as much as everybody else. Cause everybody else gets paid more than him. Uh, and so they just <laughs> a great place to have that conversation in front of everyone else. Yeah. I don't think that you're supposed to do that with yeah, your HR representative. Um, but maybe Ash doubled as an HR representative. Who could say? Uh, so they decide to go out and they're like, well, we could walk to the thing. And they uh, go to the airlock and uh, Ash is going to let them out to go do it. And he does this weird little joggy thing. And you're like, that's strange. That was very strange, actually. 
Yeah, and, and you're like, I wonder why he did that. And, of course, at this point, the audience says, no, he's an android. Um, and so they go outside into the soundstage uh, with the uh, like wind turbines blasting on full and the fog machines going. Uh, and <laughs> and the, the little geysers that, that spurt uh, mist and fog up into the air. Yeah, it, it's kind of sad because you can really tell that there's like a little nozzle like right there at the surface. Like it's not like deep in event. It's, it's like right there. And um, it should be noted that if this... $11 million box office number is even remotely accurate. This is still a damn impressive movie in all respects because that is no money for something on this scale. Oh, yeah. No, they they pulled out all the stops trying to get this done. But um, I think uh, I think I remember from the time I had listened to the director's commentary that uh, Ron Cobb, the production designer for like the Nostromo, had like gone to was it like some like old uh it was like an airplane graveyard, basically, and they pulled out all the stuff, and then they used that for making parts of the Nostromo interior walls and stuff, uh, like all that funky padding and, and things. Uh, but the but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, they walk through the the soundstage uh, in between, you know, bits and pieces of uh, uh, paper mache rocks, and they uh, arrive at a view of the alien ship. Uh, the alien ship, of course, is like that little horseshoe thing that we we're all very familiar with from the Prometheus trailer because it rolls and then she doesn't <laughs> run to the side. She just goes anyway. So the, the alien ship is sitting there and it's like, well, that's interesting because that doesn't look human. And so they're all surprised by that. But they're like, hey, you know what? We are a commercial crowing, a towing crew. So let's go take a closer look because maybe we can tow it or something. And uh, maybe they just got a flat tire. And so they... they, I they, mean, they, they got a distress call. They're supposed to at least investigate so they have something to put in the report. And, well, you know, uh, distress call of... Uh, or some transmission of unknown origin. And this is right around the time where uh, Ash is sort of just sitting up there watching his video screens go all scrambly because, again, 1979. But, uh... He should have uh, switched to UHF. <laughs> Right, he needs to adjust his rabbit ears. But uh, you know, Ripley starts doing her own translation or trying to translate the uh, the transmission to see what she can come up with. And uh, she gets like partway through it and mentions something to Ash. Like, this looks more like a warning than a cry for help. And Ash basically says, eh, by the time you get out there to tell them it's going to be a warning, uh, I mean, they'll already know if something horrible is going to happen or not. And it's like, that's a really weird thing to say. Yeah, um, eh, they're probably already dead. <laughs> I mean, if it was a warning instead of a, a cry for help, they're probably already going to be dead. So screw it. Yeah. Uh, again, Ash seems awfully callous about the uh, personal well-being of these people. Uh, you know, no suspicious reason for that. Uh, so they. <laughs> they I, think, get... I think in general, uh, Ian Holm did a great job of sort of portraying a character who is like he's not necessarily like sticking out as weird uh, immediately. He's just sort of like. I don't like these people I work with. This is just a job. But then you get to the moments like where he does his jogging in place thing and he does this slightly suspicious thing where he's incredibly dismissive of the fact that it's a warning message. And you're like, huh, there might be something up with this guy. But I think he does a, a, a lot of a lot of good work in here uh, just sort of appearing as a guy who's just doing his job and not in the mood to take shit from anybody. And uh, it, it sort of reads as just like, leave me alone. And it kind of confuses you a little bit there, here and there. He doesn't immediately stick out as like he's the guy behind all this. Yeah, well, I I have nothing but praise for the acting um, by by all of the parties in the film. 
Um, th- there's not a huge cast here. Uh, th- they they all turn in very good performances for what their characters are supposed to be believably doing. Um, the uh, uh, shrill and shrieking Lambert, the uh, unfortunate um, sort of Parker and Ray thing going on, uh, and then the uh, uh, Tom Skerritt, who's, you know, he's just, he's in charge, man, but he doesn't really want to be in charge, man. He doesn't want to have to worry about this. It's not really like, he doesn't, you know, whatever, like shrug, <laughs> like he, 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 he's like the most reluctant captain. Uh, and, yeah, and of my course, favorite moment of his is when they, they do get back to uh, the shuttle there and they're getting ready to take off. And he says, like, where are they on the repairs? And she said, well, we're, we're almost done, but we're still working on this. And that. he's like, why did you tell me? Like, oh, that's a bunch of crap. That's enough to take off. And it's like, he doesn't want him to fix the ship. He's like, you know, they fixed enough to get off the planet. He's like, yeah, let's go. Screw it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's having a rough day. Uh, cause a lot of stressful things. Uh, so they, they get to the alien ship and they're like, Hey, you know what? Let's climb in this hole. And so <laughs> they, they, they go right up and they climb in that hole. Uh, and then they're like, Hey, there's this weird hallway with some, uh, corrugated, uh, vent tubing along the side. Um, although that's, that might actually be of alien origin, probably corrugated vent tubing that's painted. Uh, but they, they get to, uh, a big, big room and it's like, oh, well maybe there's something over this wall and they, let's just climb it. And they, they go ahead and they do that and they stick their heads over and they see the, uh, the pilot in the big chair with the thingy. Uh, it's very iconic and, uh, for a long time, uh, people speculated about what, what he could possibly be about and like what his mission could be and wh- why he would be uh, sitting there in the strange contraption. What, what species was he? And then people got answers to those questions. They didn't like him. Uh, so <laughs> it was, it was better when he was a MacGuffin. Uh, and uh, he's a big, uh, bald kind of translucent guy. And he has a, a, a helmet that looks like an elephant. Yeah. And so they, uh, Notice, of course, by sticking their hands all over him, because that's that's something you do. It seems sanitary. Uh, they notice, of course, by sticking their hands all over him that uh, the chest appears to have burst from inside. And they're like, oh, that's weird. He totally burst from inside. <laughs> they have a nice line of dialogue about that. And then they're like, you know, I have a bad feeling. Let's get out of here. And then John Hurt is like, hey, look, a hole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this looks like it has been eaten through the floor with some sort of acid or something. So let's go down there. Yes. He's like, I know. We'll use a little uh, rinky-dink tripod to lower me down into this hole that we don't know how deep it is or anything. Uh, just keep lowering me until until I, like, scream for help. Um, so they, <laughs> It's basically just like Ghostbusters, too. Yeah, except uh, I could buy, like, being lowered, you know, it, underneath the streets of New York. I can't buy, really, like, you know, yeah, sure, I'll just get on this tenuous little thread and entangle underneath this alien ship uh, where there's absolutely no idea what's going on, no breathable atmosphere. Uh, Yeah, he he went down the curved wall and then eventually ended up on some sort of like a gangplank where he could walk out there, which he promptly falls off of like an idiot. Well, that's because he's touching the the mist that has the laser going through it. And so he's just like, oh, there's some sort of mist barrier. And he like puts <laughs> his hand on it and he's like, whoa, right maybe, down into uh, it. Maybe he is also a cat because he's so easily distracted by lasers and mist. Yeah, well, he's then he's looking at the eggs and he's like, oh, there appears to be some sort of leathery things here that, that kind of seem like eggs. Let <laughs> like me get closer to them. He immediately goes to eggs. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, well they, they're, they're egg-shaped. 
Except for the uh, yeah, I mean they're the leathery and they're they're three feet tall, so that's immediately egg, right? Well, I meant I meant shape wise, they look like eggs, like they're oblong. I I would like have said ovoid. like maybe maybe egg shaped objects, but he just goes right to they look like eggs. Okay, well yeah, he does say that, and so he's like, you know, I'm just gonna run my hand across it because that's what you do uh, when you're dumb <laughs> when you're in a pit. Uh, and, and so John Hurt does that, and then we see some lights shine through the back of it, uh, and they illuminate the puppet inside, and it wriggles around, and there's some some uh, swishy, swimmy motion. And this is there's a lot of suspense here because as the audience members, we're all like, "What the f are you doing? Get the f out of there!" This is this is the this is like in Psycho when she goes downstairs, <laughs> and you're just like, "Nope, that is not how you get out of a house." <laughs> Spoiler alert for Psycho. Uh, but so <laughs> anyway, you're just like, stop it, John Hurt. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And then he, he doesn't. And then it leaps out and uh, attaches itself to his face. Now, fortunately, we cut away from a lot of the minutia about fishing him out and dragging him back and all that. Uh, and we just go straight back to the ship uh, where the, uh, the, the crew arrive with him and... <laughs> He's seen better days, uh, and they're like, well, let us in, because he has the thing stuck on his yes. face. And I, then, I love that they skipped over all of the, uh, whatever they did to get back from the alien ship to their ship. Like, they didn't have to jump on an ATV to outrun a sandstorm that had suddenly swept in across the planet. Like, I love that they ignored all of that, and then suddenly they're just ringing the doorbell at the airlock going, hey, can we come in now? And uh, Ripley's basically like, um what's 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 going on there uh he he looks like he's not doing so well and they're like yeah yeah there's a there's a thing stuck on his face we got to get him inside to the medical base it's like no that's not how this works uh quarantine you're gonna stay in there for at least 24 hours and they're like damn it let us in there's an there's a random like life form stuck to his face and she's like yeah i heard you that's why you're not coming into the ship yeah and of course dallas is outside so she's in charge and she says this of course and ash is like I don't really give a ish, and so he he lets him in, because uh, because he's you know the crew is uh, well we don't know this at the time but he does the crew might be a little expendable or something, and so they they get on board and you know Ripley scolds him harshly uh, where where Dana Barrett just t- takes him to the task. Um, <laughs> Bro, and, did you did you forget your procedure? He's like, no, I didn't forget my procedure, but it's really important that we take care of this guy and we investigate the alien, and we don't really know what it is, but it's uh, we're working on it. We're uh, we're collating our information or whatever the hell he says. Yeah, the, the one weird thing is that the commercial towing vessel has a science officer. I mean, I guess maybe they'll accidentally come across things from time to time that you'd need a science officer for. But I have to assume that he does other tasks or something, like he cleans the toilets or whatever. Like, it doesn't <laughs> seem like they constantly need a science officer. It's probably just like an OSHA thing. Like, you got to always have a medic around within a certain number of uh, number of feet when you're doing real work or whatever. But it's 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 totally got to be a safety thing. Yeah, and so they uh, have their little spat over this, and of course, you know, just a little shrug off, just like oh, everything's gonna be okay, and. Uh, Spoiler alert, it's not. Uh, they they go to the, the medic bay and they start poking and prodding at the thing. And they're just like, yeah, so really stuck on the face there. And uh, maybe... Every time we pull on it, it keeps tightening around his neck. And uh, 
we, we, we poked the knuckle on it and it, it shot some acid out and that ate through the floor. So that's, huh, that's probably not a great idea. I like when they chase the acid and it, <laughs> it's like, it, oh no, it's going to eat all the way out of the ship. We better go follow it. Don't get underneath it. And then it's just like, well, I don't know what your plan is to be closer to the hull breach when it happens with no tools. But <laughs> You know, I, I did appreciate that they did that though, because I did not remember uh, part of this scene and they don't explain this in any of the other movies, to my recollection, that the acid eventually sort of, like, loses its acidiness and stops. Like, all of the other movies, I don't recall them ever going, like, well, this is kind of a defense mechanism, and the acid sort of, like, shifts after it's been out in the air for a little bit of time, and it, it just stops eating through stuff. I had just forgotten that and assumed that, like, yeah, it's just going to eat all the way through until it goes outside. Well, I mean, it's just, like, real acid. It doesn't eat through everything, otherwise it would be some really big holes in our planet um <laughs> there's you know it, it's a chemical reaction when all the, the the stuff is used up it doesn't go any further uh so you know i, I it, it makes sense I, I don't know why they were so surprised that it stopped um they they could have just said oh hey maybe 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 all the chemical reactions have stopped now and it so that's why it stopped because it's a chemical it's, uh, it's molecular acid though yeah acid. yeah that sounds important um so they <laughs> They uh, decide, you know, we probably shouldn't cut this off his face. Uh, what, what I thought was strange, though, is that they gave Parker the lines because it was just like, yeah, it's a heck of a defense mechanism. It's like, so he's a biologist now. Like, he's, he's what, what, what happened? Like, Maybe he, uh, he's, he studies animal biology in his free time. Everyone's allowed to have hobbies. Yeah, yeah. Just studying strange acid spewing. Maybe he wants his extra shares or credits or whatever so he can go on, like, safari when, uh, when, when he gets home or something. Yeah, well, he might be uh, working his way up to science officer uh, to to try and get better pay. Because <laughs> then you would, don't have to do anything. A, he would be a better science officer, I think, than Ash in this particular instance. I think that would be the case. And so uh, Ash uh, is like, yeah, so let's just leave it on him and let him sit here and let's find out what happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they put him into the, the little, uh, I guess it's basically, we would call it a med pod in uh, Prometheus terms, the sort of cubby in the wall that scans him and they're like well it'll probably kill him if we take it off uh, so we should just leave it there and of course dallas is like what no we should still try to take it off i'll take the i'll take the risk that's fine like we're not just gonna leave it because that's not there's a parasite on his face with a thing down his throat yeah uh, and and this starts also the five or six or seven times that p- people in this movie say hey you got to come see this it'll just be easier if you just come see it just come see the thing. Just go over here. So that way we can have a conversation on screen. Because uh, that... It, <laughs> you gotta, it, you got to see this to believe it. It makes me bonkers every time, especially with Ash. Because uh, it's just like, you have to you have to come see. Something's happened with Kane. And it's like, well, do I? And it's like, well, yeah, because it's just better if I show you. And it's like, you could just say he's alive. Something like, bad or in, something good? Yeah. Oh, something interesting. Yeah. See, these days they would just be like... Can you just FaceTime me? Like, I'm eating cereal right now. Can you just, like, point your phone at it and, like, Snapchat me something so I can see what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's, having to go up and down, like, three decks or something, that's a pain in the butt. No, but, uh, it, I mean... He it was super comfy in his little bunk loungy thing there. Well, also, it doesn't make... Uh, if you were in a heightened sense of emergency, I don't know why you'd be like, you have to come see this right now. Because... <laughs> It doesn't do anybody any good. It's just like you can't you can't constantly be running around breathless from compartment to compartment. Just say what it is. And so they uh 
Yeah, I mean, they do this all the time on Star Trek and whatever. Like, it, it's always the, it'll be more interesting cinematically if you come have this conversation with me here and we can act off of one another. Uh, unfortunately, when you're watching it, there are always those awkward moments where they're like, hey, you need to be here, so there's the reason you come here, and then we can have our cinematic moment uh, where you can you can act off of this. And so, of course, they, they go and they see uh, that... Kane doesn't have a thing on his face and then they go chase around and then they find it all curled up and stuff. And they're like, Oh, it's dead. That's probably a good thing. And then Ash is like, we should totally keep this. And Ridley, uh, Ripley's like, uh, F no, like, let's just face this thing. And, uh, there's a big conversation and Dallas is like, no, we're keeping it for science. And then immediately after this, he's like, let's get that F off this rock. That's that conversation you're referring to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I then, do like this is also the scene where there's the the completely absurd loud jump scare where like somebody like kicks over uh something in the corner very loudly and makes Ripley jump and scream. Yeah. That's we didn't need that in this very quiet tense moment where they're searching for something. It's like I, I know what you're doing. You're trying to make the people in the audience jump, but just like don't do that. There yeah, this is definitely one of those cheap scares you were referring to earlier. Uh and so they go back to whatever they were doing in the mess hall or whatever and then uh, Ash calls him back up again. He's like, hey, remember how you were just here like a minute ago editorial time? <laughs> like and five seconds ago. Yeah. Uh, come, come back on over because Kane's condition has changed and it is interesting. And so they go over there and this time he's awake and stuff. And he's like, oh, but I'm so hungry. And mm, you know, he, he goes and he eats uh, stuff and they talk about how bad the food is and Food, food is bad, and oh, isn't food the worst? And oh, the food's not that bad. Why are you coughing? <laughs> Can't wait till I get home to eat some real food. Yeah. Uh, poor, poor Kane. Unfortunately, he had uh, he he was so hungry. He had, he had a tapeworm or something in there. Yeah. Well, uh, he shouldn't have ordered the space special. Uh, nothing. That was from uh, that other one. Spaceballs. Yeah. John, John Hurt was actually in Spaceballs to reprise his role. Oh, was he really? Yeah. That's why he says, oh, no, not again. And then he dies. What did he order? Oh, he had a special. That's what I ordered. I changed my order to the soup. Good move. Oh, no. Not again. I uh, I do not. I mean, I remember the scene. I I think uh, the the little uh, the alien that comes out and is dance. ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he comes out and dance. Doesn't he do like a like a hat and cane dance? Yes, and you can see the little uh, uh, gap in the the countertop where the little track runs for for him <laughs> right. to move. And, and just like in this movie, you can see the wires that pull out the little alien puppet. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a little laughable when it uh, runs away after making its escape uh, across the table in that very linear fashion, like right through the gap of stuff on the table. Yeah, yank on the cord really hard. Okay, so but uh, there's this really, I mean, when it bursts out of his chest, it is very long and protracted, and it, like it takes some time. <laughs> And like somebody this, takes a compressed air gun full of red liquid and sprays it right in Lambert's face twice. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, uh, she didn't know that was going to happen, which is why she was extra surprised. <laughs> she looked pretty terrified. Like yeah. She flew back, and then she's like sitting on the ground kind of shocked, and then they just hit her again with a bigger blast. She's just like, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, well, that's... 
Ridley just wanted to make sure that he got the best performance from his actor as possible. So, you know, what a, what a nice guy. Spray and, her faster with more intensity. Yeah. And uh, so John Hurt has a giant hole in him now and is not really very good for anything. Uh, he's a little used up. <laughs> and and so uh, the best thing you can do is wrap him in a bed sheet and fire him out an airlock. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's got a hole in him, so he's, he's kind of like a, a Hertz donut. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that was, was a long route to get there, but I... You should I, punch yourself in the shoulder because you said that. I was thinking about it since 8 a.m. this morning. Uh, so <laughs> I'm glad you had an opportunity to get it out. I, I, me too. And so then uh, the Hertz Donut Hole is running around the ship, uh, apparently, like, growing from... I don't know. Conservation of mass doesn't really mean a lot in this film. <laughs> like it, 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 whatever food I guess he ate, it took in without actually gaining any mass, and then is somehow getting bigger. Uh, so it, 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 it's making uh, its way in the world today uh, with everything it's got, and <laughs> what the does crew matter with you. <laughs> the crew decide that they're going to go uh, after him with some improvised uh, uh devices that they just slap together with a uh, cattle prod uh you know a few of them and then uh also a a little uh motion detector that uh has a very simple screen with just little blips but it detects micro density changes in air pressure and it's just like wait, wait what like this thing with this crappy display that has this terrible beep 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 noise <laughs> has this really fine-tuned degree of, of of detection like it doesn't make any sense it's but, a it's a lunchbox with a tube on it that has a little screen yeah it does give us one of the uh uh dramatic tools of cinema that will be overused five thousand times after this movie is done uh where we can see the little blip 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 blip, blip you know and the whole like oh it's coming towards you you know that whole thing yeah another um, thing that's kind of abused uh like crazy and aliens uh, well, I actually like it in Aliens because it turns out that it is not an advantage, much in the same way it is not an advantage in this film. Because, uh, you know, they didn't really think to give it a Z-axis in either film. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that, that, it's a problem for people. And uh, so they they decide that they're going to take their captain, shove him in a vent, and... Uh, oh, wait, no, sorry. First, uh, Ray goes when they they're all split up in teams and uh they 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 come across the cat and he's like oh don't worry it's just the cat and you didn't want to like shock it or anything but then you know ripley and uh parker are just like hey um the cat will just run around and get caught on the sensors again we have to take it and he's like oh really and then they're like yeah really so you go get it all by yourself i mean he let it out and he didn't catch it because he's a jerk yeah, and the first thing you want to do in any horror film is split the party into tiny, tiny little units. And so they split their little party of three into a party of two and a party of one. And uh, he goes off into uh, wandering around looking for this dumb cat. Uh, cats are the worst. And he's bumbling around in, uh, I don't know what this is, their cargo room thing machine it's the, room uh, it's their skylight and rain room yeah well so it's like tears in the rain um and so the the water is falling from the thing and 
there's chains rattling around from I don't know the wind, like uh, there's I don't know it's a, it's a rocky boat. I don't I don't know what's happening, but they're rattling and uh, water is falling and everything's wet and greasy and it looks very used, which is which is something nice about this you know particular ship is it doesn't look like it just came in mint condition right out of the uh the dry dock but at the same time it raises a lot of questions when you really start thinking about it just like what would you use this room for why is this room so dirty wouldn't you clean this room like why is it covered in water wouldn't the water clean this room like i don't know but uh it doesn't matter because he dies and uh he gets to meet (laughs) the uh uh, little alien critter and uh he's he gets the first of the uh extreme close-ups of uh, an air ram going into a fake skull. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's not overused at this point in cinematic history. Um, unlike all of the other ones. Yeah. Especially although, the, um, the Alien versus Predator movies, both of them. Although, uh, you know, again, low budget. Uh, the full-size Alien is uh, interesting. It's a, it's a very interesting design. Um you can see it's just a dude in a suit, pretty much. So there's that. Well, they got like a tall, lanky guy in it, you know, so it looks a little unusual. Yeah, but when I, when you think of the alien, you always think of him a little bit more hunched and has like slightly less human proportions to its arms and legs, or at least I do. But uh, yeah, th- I mean, this just looks like a tall dude in a suit with a big head thing. Well, one of the things I really like about it is that in a few of the shots, you can see the uh, tip of the head. I use the word tip uh, for a reason in that H.R. Geiger designed uh, the alien. And uh, if you ever look at some of the original inspirations for this particular uh, thing, you'll be like, oh, they toned that down a little for the, for the movie because uh, it was uh, it was a uh, well, it's basically just genitalia because uh, there this is one of those things that doesn't really occur to you when you first watch it. But then when you start reading all the things about how they made it and you're just like, what was wrong with Ridley Scott and H.R. Geiger that they were like, like, there's all this like psychosexual stuff, like underneath all of this primordial sex stuff. And it's just like, this is really weird guys. Like you, you need some therapy or something. Like, are you, are you okay? <laughs> well, there is a point where this sort of just, uh, terrifying alien species that breeds itself by inseminating people through its stomach just turns into sort of a slightly larger, creepier metaphor. But, uh, I think we've all sort of come to accept the fact that they've got these little face huggery things that implant themselves in your chest and then burst out. Like, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just like a regular baby, except it comes out of the chest instead of the stomach. Mm-hmm. It does a little bit more forcibly as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, so he dies, and they're all like, "Oh no, they disappeared into an air vent and killed him." We probably well, shouldn't. <laughs> we should probably shouldn't have let him just wander off by himself looking for a cat. Yeah, there's also that very long shot of the cat afterward, like the reaction shot that is just like this cat watching him be brutally murdered. Oh, this like, this, this you cat, son of a bitch. this this cat DGAF. Like this 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 cat does not care. <laughs> like I just you should just make a gif of that that cat reaction, just like DGAF that cat. Uh, no, but, <laughs> just a slow push it on his wide eyed face. Yeah, he's it, it, just like whatever murder. I see it every day. <laughs> Uh, I, didn't, I didn't never liked him. Uh, there should have been like a, a post-credit scene where uh, the the cat was like uh, commanding the alien to do its bidding. Yeah, well, because <laughs> the that's how the pyramid works. Really, is like human beings on the bottom 
then the facehuggers, then then the xenomorphs, and then your uh, uh, which they're not actually called in this film, so alien, uh, and then your uh, cat on the top, Jonesy, ruling over all of them. Yeah, Jonesy. the only one that was absolutely safe. Uh, Jonesy made sure is it he she uh, was safe in the, uh, the little sleeping pod there before the uh, the alien came out. Spoiler in the, the third act there when it was hidden behind the uh, whatever that was. It was just hidden the, in a random nook in the shuttle. Yeah, more corrugated tubing. Uh, yeah. for, unfortunately, the strobe lights don't really give it away. But uh, so the uh, we'll get to that. But the they, they you know are like well only one thing to do now. Uh, we rigged up a flamethrower. Let's put you in a little tiny tunnel and we'll send you <laughs> off after it. No, my favorite thing about, uh, cause when you think about this movie, you think back, you think about the flamethrowers that you, know, you got Ripley sort of, uh, stalking through the, the halls there at the end with the flamethrower and, uh, trying to find the alien. But at no point do they have any evidence that these flamethrowers are actually going to do anything to the alien. Like, they suspect that, like, what, what does Ashley say? He says, like, well, most animals run away from fire, so uh, get some incinerators and it'll probably run away from you. But, like, they have no idea that that's going to do anything. And I love that, especially at the end there when she's, like, traipsing down the hallway, like, trying to defend herself. And it's like, you've got this gun and fire's coming out and it looks really cool. But uh, if you were to come up against this alien, you could shoot that at him and he'll just be like, what are you doing? And then just kill you. Yeah. They don't really know what they're doing, uh, which is some of the tension and we don't actually see them use it on the, the aliens. So we never find out. Uh, cause everyone who has one, um, doesn't fire it. Uh, cause Dallas is surprised, uh, surprise. And then, uh, uh, Parker and what's her face also don't use it. Because they, he does. Parker doesn't want to fire it on because he might hit Lambert, and so then they both die. And then uh, Ripley doesn't fire it because oh, it just conveniently disappeared. And so there's there's no case where it's actually tested whether or not the flamethrower would have worked in this film. Uh, although a uh, a a jet of hot water air stuff fires on it and seems to blow it off into space, but I don't know if that's just a pressure thing. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll have to wait, and hopefully they'll make a sequel or something, and then we'll find out. But uh, so the the thing with this is that the uh, captain is probably not the person you should send wandering around in your ducks because he might die, and then you won't have a captain anymore. But <laughs> well, uh, I mean, basically, uh, nobody else wanted to do it, and he's the captain, so he's gonna, he's going to do the jobs that, no, that need doing. Yeah, he's no scarity cat. That's uh, that's like two for you now, because you, yeah, you're, you are you done? Yeah, well, I thought about that one like twelve thirty ish, but uh, so <laughs> the oh my god, <laughs> don't worry, I don't have any more. Uh, but, uh, so Tom Scarrett, what, what I like about the the uh, the ones where he's inside the vent, I don't like the iris door because it's so overused and. It's not really like an effective door, so I don't know why. Well, they, in an air vent, it's reasonable way to constrict the airflow from place to place. Yeah, but it's not, it's never like seal. It's not like a. It, it doesn't hermetically seal those kinds of things um, because it's just like sliding little metal discs. But uh, so anyway, it looks dramatic, and so they uh, he's wandering around. What I like about it is that uh, they went with the choice to only have the light coming from him uh, for the whole set. 
So often the camera is positioned way down at the end of one tunnel, uh, one of these vent tunnel things, looking down at him. And so you can see all the light glinting off of surfaces and stuff. Uh, but there's no like big blue wash of light coming across the set or anything. Like y- you only see hi- him illuminating the set, which which is, it makes it feel even smaller and more uh, cramped and uh, claustrophobic. Uh, and of course, the beeping and uh, heartbeat noises because you need those. Sure. And uh, Jerry Goldsmith's uh, very minimal score, where uh, silence is actually your biggest tip off that bad things are happening. Uh, you know, I got all the way to the end of this movie and I had to go. Was there actually a score in this movie? I feel like there was, but I don't remember any of it. Yeah, there, there's, there's the whole like da 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 da, da that that whole thing, mm-hmm. and there's a few times where it's just like clashing, banging, noisy stuff. Uh, but but it's not like a big memorable thing. Um, I I would say that more people remember like the score from Aliens, the follow-on to this by James Horner, than they remember this one. Uh, although, funnily enough. Part of Jerry Goldsmith's score was clipped out of this and reused in in uh, Aliens because uh, James Cameron liked to monkey around with his soundtracks, and uh, so they they have uh, unfortunately uh, this scene where Dallas it, it's like oh you're you're really close now and unfortunately they gave it to Lambert who doesn't really have her wits about her and uh, she kind of loses it and doesn't really give good directions. Move! Get out of there! In that, no, not that way! No, just, well, you didn't give him it's a direction. It's coming right for you! Yeah. She, she's, she's, she's bad at what she does, because uh, he dies. And it's a nice little uh, thing where... Uh, he's going down the the thing and there's a nice little jump cut to barely seeing it illuminated from the front as it reaches out to hug him. Yeah, um, I, uh, I did laugh out loud that it reached out with its sort of like paws that are in like gloves or whatever and just grabbed him. Well, cause that's, that's not really how we, uh, remember these aliens working. Well, he just wanted to give him a hug. Nobody <laughs> hugged him. He was born like, uh, you know, a whole hour ago and nobody gave him a hug. Yeah. And uh, all, all the alien ever wanted was to be hugged. Yeah, I mean that's why he was so hostile. He just this wanted whole a thing hug. Could have been avoided. He just wanted. He was hungry. He wanted a hug, and he wanted a nap. He's just a little baby. Um, and so <laughs> they <laughs> little. Uh, but so anyway, Dallas is dead. Uh, and then everyone's freaking out. And uh, Lambert has the sensible suggestion of let's get the f off of this place and blow it all up. Uh, which is which is not really that crazy a thing to do, uh, especially since they do this a few other times in this franchise. Uh, but they, they're the spoiler alert for nearly everything. Uh, they they <laughs> decide that they're not going to do that. They're going to do what Dallas wanted. Uh, but first, Ripley's going to go talk to Mother and find out what the deal is. And she's especially suspicious of Ash at this point. Uh, she she goes in to talk to Mother, and she's finally got access. And she's all like, why is the science officer so bad at his job? Is what she types it. And it's like, I don't know what you mean. This is, you know, information is restricted based on the science order number 953 or whatever. And then she's like, explain what that is by my priority authorization override thing. And then she sits back in the chair and nothing's happening. And when she sits back in the chair, we see Ian Holm just kind of like hanging out there, just a little behind her. 
out of focus slightly. And then it's just like, oh, oh, hey, buddy. You somehow snuck into the world's loudest door room. Um, <laughs> but maybe, maybe he snuck in when she was typing. And that's how she didn't hear it. The whoosh. Uh, so Because e- even when she leaves, it makes a giant whoosh noise. Uh, but they, she pushes him against the wall and she's like, oh, how dare you and stuff. And then there's like a lot of continuity errors for the next minute or two as they bumble around uh, in the, the mess hall area with the hallways and stuff. And somehow he can like close the things and... And then he starts bleeding milk out of his forehead. Uh, and he's, he's sweating. And it's basically now we, we figure out he's a robot because uh, he's got uh, superhuman strength and uh, he's sweating milk. And she's got a nosebleed for some reason before he hits her. Oh, uh, we forgot to. Uh, we should probably should have got a ruling on this. We need to. Uh, Dan, yes. take, a, take, take a memo. Uh, robot or not, Ash and Bishop. Interesting. Uh, I'm not asking for a verdict. Just robot. I want the actual experts. Okay. All right. I'm taking. I'm writing it down right now. Mm-hmm. While I write this down, go look at the Slack. Robot or not, Ash. Why am I looking at the Slack? Because I said so. Oh, what's in the Slack? <laughs> what's in the Slack, Dan? I made you a thing. What's in the Slack? That that's pretty sweet. <laughs> Is that, uh, is that about right? Yeah, that's that's, that's about right. <laughs> Cats per DGAF. We'll put that uh, in, the, in the show notes for people. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, this confrontation does not go well. And Ian Holmes seems to be uh, freaking out in a way not necessarily due to physical violence inflicted upon him yet because there really hasn't been any. He just seems to be like sort of like, sputtering around and stuff a little bit which is a little, a little bit of a sputter and then he gets like a little bit of a hit to the back of the head and then he starts uh doing like spins around the room and bouncing yeah, off the walls that whirly gig thing where he's like whoosh, 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 that, that was a little strange <laughs> dude that sounded good that was good oh, the whoosh, 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 that one yeah that's the it's, android sound it's basically the sound he made uh but he this, this is this weird thing where he like knocks her out and then puts her down onto the uh, one of the, the, the like sleeping chamber bed things off to the side and one of those little pods. And it's one of the guys' rooms, but we don't know which one, I guess. Uh, and it, there there's some uh, scantily, well, I was going to say scantily clad, but there's really no cladding. Um, there are some naked women that are plastered on the wall uh, behind uh, Ash that are out of focus, like, like from some sort of pornography that has been printed in the future which is also very strange i don't know if mother prints that or something but that's also weird yeah yeah. didn't they get the memo that they're not doing that anymore that's very weird but uh oh yes thank you dan thank thank you for that (laughs) reference uh so the uh, and then ash does this weird thing where he like rolls up a magazine and he's like going to like stick it down her throat and stuff and it's like this is all very strange and I never quite figured this out until I was, uh, I think it was the director commentary for this. And it was just like, yeah, so it was supposed to be like this, this sexual thing because he is a robot and doesn't really, and it's just like, Ridley, this is very weird. I don't know where you're coming up with these ideas, but I do not like them. Like he could just be somebody who's going to kill her. That is yeah. totally fine. Like he doesn't need this whole other weird angle to how he's going to kill her. Like it doesn't need to be with a rolled up newspaper down the throat. That's very strange. Uh, yeah, th- there are certainly uh, easier and better and more efficient ways of killing people. But I mean, maybe just because he's having his robot freak out, 
he he was mixing her up with like a like a, a cricket or something that made its way into the room, and he was going to swat it with a magazine with, through the throat. And that doesn't—I don't know. It, it's very weird. I, I don't I don't agree with the directorial choice here. But you know, I'm no I'm no science officer. I don't know how to kill somebody. So the uh, <laughs> sure. The, unfortunately. Uh, Parker and Lambert come in and, uh, Parker like hits him with uh, a fire extinguisher over the back of the head. And he does, like you said, the whirly gig thing. And then, uh, the, uh, plastic head comes off and all the little white grapes and, uh, milk <laughs> spews out. I do like that. There is that sort of like one swinging for the fences hit where Parker hits him in the face and the head just sort of like falls off and like dangles by the back. Yeah. I have to say one of the things about this film that, doesn't hold up very well in terms of like uh, technically how it was made some of the model shots where it looks like when they look at like the planet surface like from really far out and it's like well this is not that big of a table you shouldn't have done that and then there's uh the other thing here with all of the stuff involving ash and his decapitation where it's just like you it's completely obvious what's happening uh <laughs> they have a dummy and then they do uh, a terrible jump cut to his head sticking up through the floor. Oh, it's so bad. Well, it's, I mean, th- it's through the table. Um, I, they, they do a pretty good job, I think, of keeping his head static and only moving the eyes and mouth once the head has been removed. And it's actually Ash or Ian Holm doing the acting. Uh, but the, the the beginning and end shots where it is the, the plastic uh, model head are quite bad. Quite, quite, quite bad. What's so funny about it is it looks it basically doesn't look anything like Ian Holm uh, from the, I'm sure they took a plastic cast of him, but it just really doesn't look like him. And yeah, like the hair, and like the, the skin tone are like completely different colors. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it looks it looks really bad. Like the skin looks like not skin like it, it is unfortunate. But there's something funny about it, too, in that we have a shot of it on the table with Parker like wobbling it around violently back and forth and you can see it flopping around. And then there's that cut immediately to, uh, the head of Ian Holm through the bottom of the table with just like a little bit of the neck sticking out on either side. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of a gentle wiggle <laughs> side to side. <laughs> and it's just like, you're not straightening it on the table. Like it, it isn't going to move. Like, don't worry about it. Like we, you, you, you've gone from the wild extreme of this totally floppy fake thing to the like head through a table. Uh, I do like the arm through the table of how they had that moving around. But uh, the, the little head here of Ash, uh, I know has been decapitated, uh, delivers some dialogue about, you know, how they're basically screwed. And then they have his sympathies, which just makes them angrier. And they uh, yank out the cord and he's dead. So he goes back to the rubber head thing, <laughs> which flops around some more. And then they, they all go to leave and uh, Parker f- fires the incinerator on him and burns him up on the table. Uh, hopefully not setting the entire ship on fire. But, yeah, it uh, just sort of like sets it on fire and does like a uh, a dramatic walk away with really no regard to the fact that uh, he just set a uh, part of the spaceship on fire. Yeah. And th- this, this sets in motion their plan of how they're actually just going to get off the ship now because Ripley's totally given up on whatever Dallas was doing because it was obviously part of Ash's plan to have them all like bumble around on the ship and die. Um so they're like, we're just going to blow this thing up now. Like the, it, it, like the crew is expendable. Screw this stuff. Let's, let's get out of here. And it's very strange that they're like, you know, we should split up into teams. 
Ripley, you go off by yourself, and Lambert and I will go uh, get all these little canisters that we need from the things for some reason. I thought that I couldn't quite tell what that was. I thought it was maybe because, you know, they mentioned that the shuttle won't hold four if they were just going to immediately bail before uh, Ash lost his mind or whatever. I thought it may have been uh, that the shuttle might not have enough air for all of them for all of their trips. So they needed to go get some more air canisters or something. Did you actually figure out what that was for? Yeah, I think that was the case, but okay. uh, They don't need it. uh, Cause they (laughs) one person on it. Yeah. Well, what's funny is that uh, we have the shot of her going down to the shuttle to like get it all booted up. Um, Cause you know, it was back before you had solid state drive. So you really had to get that thing started early. And, She's fiddling around with it, uh, and then she hears the cat over the radio, and she's like, oh, no, Jonesy. And I'm like, no, no, you stay on that shuttle. You don't go back for that cat. That doesn't make any sense. And no matter how hard I try over all of the years that I've seen this film, she still goes back for that stupid cat. <laughs> you know, uh, people have a bond with their their animals, especially if you've spent, you know, a couple of years in, uh, what do they, they call it hypersleep? I don't know what they call it in here. Uh, just hanging out uh, on the ship with the cat. You know, it, it, it becomes family. I suppose. Uh, but in my opinion, it's a cat. It has such a cute name, too, Jonesy. This cat already got one person killed. And so they, uh, she goes off trampsing about the ship looking for it, oftentimes putting down her incinerator to, to go fish around inside of like small ductwork for it. And uh, she has her little space pet carrier. And she finally gets it up on the bridge and it like scratches and claws and is all pissed and stuff. And then she shoves it into the box and she goes back towards the shuttle. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, they die. So (laughs) that's bad. And uh, on her way back to the shuttle, she rounds that corner that takes her from a hallway to uh, that little junction room where there's the very dramatic spinning blade with the light behind it uh which is a good sure. place as any really to stage your dramatic shots uh it's, it's really a good thing for her that the flow of the the space worked out well for that for the for the directorial reasons yeah uh, it's it's always good to do your action in front of uh heavily backlit rooms full of uh mist and fog and she she uh sees the alien blocking her way to the shuttle out of the corner of her eye and quickly ducks back around and she's like, well, this is a problem. Uh, and she makes her way back to the uh, the whole uh, self-destruct thing that she had just set off. And she's like, yeah, so about that, I'm going to undo that as quickly as possible. <laughs> I do like how convoluted the uh, self-destruct mechanism is where you, you put the screw in and you pull the thing up and then you flip it side out and you push the button and then you do that three more times. Yeah, well, I mean, and I also it's just, like that she's uh, she's diligent enough to like scan her finger across the instructions before she just jumps in trying to turn it on and off. I like that there are those printed instructions on it, like just like it, as if you were, uh, you know, using some sort of emergency gear for the first time. Yeah, it's, it's got all the warnings and everything. It's I mean, clearly you to, labeled. You had to take the screws out of that panel on the wall, and you had to throw those two giant switches, and then the thing on the floor opens, and it's like, are you sure? Are you sure you're sure you're sure that you really want to blow this thing up? Because it's really, really going to be a pain for everyone involved. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, they make it an even bigger pain to turn it back off again if you change your mind. Uh, and she, <laughs> she missed it by like five seconds. 
Yeah, well, which is which is really funny, and then she's yelling at mother, which, as far as we know, has no actual understanding of what anyone is saying or doing on the ship. Yeah, she forgot to say "Hey, mother" before she issued her voice <laughs> command. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, man, it wouldn't have been funny if she had just like shouted back the weather or something for <laughs> the weather on LV four two six will be in a, in a bit. Uh, the forecast for tomorrow is uh, dark because you're yeah. in space. It's it's thank you, Dan. <laughs> You're welcome. And so for. the uh Would you well, like your space forecast for the for the next ten days? Well, you won't need it because you'll be you'll be atomized. But the uh uh she is she uh then decides, well, you know, it's gonna blow up, so I should probably take my chances with the alien that was in front of the shuttle door, because that seems more reasonable now. Uh she goes back that way and oh it's conveniently gone, but it left the cat there. Yay! She's got her cat back. <laughs> I like that there's that close up where the alien puts his face up against the little uh futuristic cat carrier and it's like this is an animal, but I don't have fingers that know how to open this little latchy doohickey, so we'll just leave the cat here. Well uh, or, or it was like, Yes, master, I understand. I will wait inside of the shuttle for you. <laughs> the cat's like Dude, she's trying to escape on the shuttle. Go hide inside some corrugated tubing on the wall. You're the worst minion I've ever had. Um, so <laughs> she... <laughs> you fail me once again. Ah, I'm not going to do that quote again. Uh, no, but they... she she gets back to the, the shuttle, gets the cat carrier in, uh, straps herself in, pushes the thing, zooms out like of there. 30 seconds to get away from it before it explodes. Like, come on. You could give yourself a little bit more time. Well, she could have if she didn't stop to turn back and do all that other stuff to try and turn it off again and then go back again anyway. <laughs> but she uh she she gets out of there and it explodes and there's a light show and then uh we and we see like the the finest dust clouds optical printing ever delivered to you uh for your zero gravity nuclear explosion. And sure. she with, with it, Unfortunately, you can also see the mat line from the the dark edge where. Oh, you mean on the on the spaceship pillar there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a pretty thick mat line. It's a style of time, but um, so the shuttle is nominally nominally safe uh space for her right now. Uh, she gets up and she's all like, "Okay, Jonesy, time to put you inside of the little uh sleepy box," and she puts him inside of there, closes the tube. And she's like, well, I'm going to go get ready. Well, she didn't say that, but she's what she's thinking, really. Like, honestly, if you just look at her. Now, curiously, the uh, dance club strobe lights have been going on the entire time, which seems a little high intensity uh, for your I've just made it out of here alive uh, lighting for your uh, for your ship. But maybe she didn't have enough time to switch the, the toggle on that one. Because then she goes over and she starts turning off the strobe lights and realizes that just above the console is an alien head. Um, of course, the audience clearly sees what it is before she does. Uh, mm-hmm. And it moves. And she's like, ah, sorry, I didn't mean to wake you up. And then it's like, no problem. And goes back to sleep. And then <laughs> she usually runs and hides in the closet. Yeah. Uh, one of the curious things about this whole sequence, too, is that she stripped down to just her like really skimpy underwear and uh, shirt. So... I, I'm sure there's some sort of intention that this is all about the vulnerability or something. I don't really care. Um, I, I just think it was weird. Uh, and she, uh, cause, yeah, because she wasn't that undressed when she got out of her space pod, was she? Or we didn't actually see her get out, did we? In the very beginning of the movie, when she was waking up. 
Oh, I don't think we got a close up on her. I know that everybody else was in their 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 undies. The guys didn't have any, have any shirts on. Um, she she might have been in that, but I mean, she puts on a bathrobe <laughs> after this, and like yeah. presumably has a shower. So I I don't know what the. I mean, I guess I, I get it. You don't want to like sleep for six weeks straight, like with uh like some weird material that just sort of like leaves an impression like on your face, like when you fall asleep on the couch on like those uh that, like corrugated material. Yeah. Well, she wasn't gonna fall asleep on the alien. Um. So the. <laughs> She she quickly gets inside of the little uh, space closet and she's like, okay, I should probably put on one of these spacesuits. That would be a good idea. And she gets it on. And one of the things that I always think is funny about the spacesuit is there is this very intricate, um, like notched, like etched in sort of reverse stamp artwork all around the edges of it. It's just like, that is very ornate. What is that for? What could that possibly be for? Like everything in this film has a sort of like stripped down, like, uh, feeling to it where it's it's very industrial and at the same time it's just like i'm looking at this i'm just like this is oddly baroque for a spacesuit helmet that is basically <laughs> just a couple pieces of fabric uh with, with a giant plastic helmet but uh so i would i would have I skipped on that uh she gets out there and it's still asleep and she's like well i should probably start playing with the fire extinguisher vents and figure out which one will fire on it because uh, making it angry seems like a good plan and she's got her harpoon yep, gun. She strapped herself into the chair because we, we can already tell what's coming. She's going to hit the airlock as soon as it jumps out of its little space there. Yeah, but she's got to get it to jump first. Like if she just opens the door, it might hold on for dear life and then not go outside and then she'd be, she'd be in trouble. Uh, so she, she gets it up off of its feet and it's all like, well, it's not a morning person. So the <laughs> alien's very upset about this. It's like, you know, I was taking my nap. I was, uh, you know, I was going to leave you alive because you were the cat person, but now, now I'm really angry. So I'm gonna have to kill you now. You like, you brought this on yourself is all I'm saying. And so the aliens all like, what's up? Like step off. And Ripley's like, I'm going to open the door and the door opens and it's like, nope. And holds on. And she's like, nope. And then fires. And then it's like, ah, it falls out. And it's like, nope, <laughs> but I'm holding on to the thing. And she's like, nope, but I've got the thruster thing. And then it's like, ah, and it falls off again in space. And this time it's finally dead. And, finally uh, dead. Yeah. And she's all like, okay, so now it's bathroom time. And then I'm going to crawl inside the tube with my cat. And mm-hmm. everything will be fine. In six weeks or so, I'll reach the frontier. And hopefully the network will pick me up. Sounds like a good plan. I mean, I'm really glad that worked out for her so well. That's, that's, yeah. how this, that's how the next movie starts, really. It's just like that she, that worked out well. She leaves her uh, her captain's log recording for whoever picks her up. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. There's uh, Again, there's not a ton of plot in this movie in terms of what happens. Like, well, we could boil it down. They get a distress, distress call. They land on the planet. They go to look at it. One of their guys gets a face hugger. Face hugger. Uh, turns into an alien. Alien kills everybody. She escapes on a shuttle and blows up the main ship. And uh, oh no, it, it followed her and she has to kill it. Like that's that's pretty much the gist of what happens. But there's a ton of dramatic tension and uh, spacey, artistic, beautiful footage of spaceships and stuff and uh, dramatic silence and what have you. And it all turns into uh, a scary movie that... Uh, you know, spawned a uh, what, four more movies that uh, are of varying quality. Well, and and the Alien versus Predator movies. Uh, so that's six. Well, uh, sorry, seven. 
Do we have to? Do we have to count those? Yeah. So we've got uh, Alien, then Aliens, then uh, Alien Three, and then uh, we've got Alien Resurrection <laughs> with the French guy did that one. And I then, think that was the first one I like really remember seeing as a kid. I think I saw it in theaters, you know, with the Winona Ryder and all that. That movie is so bad. Yeah, I saw that in theaters too. Oh man, it was the first one with the. Uh, I think the digital alien was done by uh, Blue Sky before they went off to do uh, Happy Fun Ice Age cartoons. <laughs> so it's back when they did uh, VFX. That, uh, that's the one with the two aliens, right? There's the the, the white one or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. There's Well, it's the hu- human-alien hybrid. Spoiler alert for the end of that terrible film. <sighs> Spoiler alert. Uh, small holes in a room will create a vacuum that will potentially kill you. Yes. If only she had a harpoon gun and a mm. cat. Uh, yeah. And then there was uh, Aliens vs. Predator, Aliens vs. Predator 2, uh, Prometheus. And uh, that that rounds out the list of everything that went horribly wrong. Um, uh, if only if only your favorite director, David Fincher, could have could have taken on one of these films. <laughs> uh, had his feature film directing debut on Alien 3. And uh, that's probably the film that turned him into the psychotic bastard of a director that he is today. The film's terrible. <laughs> he agrees. Yes. Well, uh, he should have done better. I don't know. Uh, weird didn't have a script yeah well that kind of shows uh so the, 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 the that that's 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 the show folks yeah, yeah. I, I like this movie uh it is incredibly slow and uh if you're not paying attention you will fall asleep but uh i again i still think this would be cool to see in a theater i hope they like bring this back for how many we got uh, four more years till it's uh, an anniversary for this one i hope they bring this back in theaters or something because i would like to see it again. oh i'm sure they will uh, oh and uh that reminds me of something else when we were going to pick out the version to watch for this uh you have to rent it on itunes or through some other store or whatever and there is the original and there is uh the director's uh cut of this now I didn't remember this at the time, and so I went searching around on the internet, and I found some of the most internet-y internet forum comments about this. Uh, you know, it, you can tell it's really good when it starts with actually. Uh, so uh, it turns out that the director's cut version of this I had seen and I forgot about, uh, and that's the one where he added back in some footage that had been removed for uh, timing and pacing reasons, which sounds a little hard to believe when you think about how slow <laughs> everything is. But it was actually slower if you left this stuff in. Um, well, what was it? Do you remember? Well, there was like one scene that I don't quite remember. Uh, and then there was another one that I do remember, which I hated, which is that Ripley, when she's going back to the shuttle, comes through the machine room area with all the dangling chains and stuff and comes across uh, the crew. And they've all been cocooned uh, up on the wall inside of the these sort of like weird structures and they're slowly changing. Their face is covered and all this stuff. And they're slowly turning into not human. Like they're becoming aliens. That was theoretically how this was supposed to pan out. Was that the humans that it, that had been captured without any bodies or anything left behind were being turned into aliens themselves. Now, that doesn't really have any bearing on the rest of the Alien franchise. Because that footage no. was never shown until like 2003. So nobody really 
processed that. Uh, James Cameron, of course, did not use that as part yeah. of his 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 stuff for going on to the sequels. And so we clearly got the life cycle established in the the sequel to this, where there is there are eggs, and the eggs come from somewhere, and that somewhere is maybe like a you know like an ant colony or. Uh, or like a like a little bee hive or something, like one of those. Right. And the the purpose of uh, capturing non dead bodies of humans is specifically for the purpose of hang, like hanging them on the wall to keep until the face huggers are born, and then they've got uh, an immediate place to uh, inseminate. Yes, and which so, makes a lot more sense. Yeah, uh, it's it's different, and I prefer that. So that's another reason not to watch the director's cut, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, I don't I don't think you lose anything by watching the original. It was just back in the early 2000s when they were like, hey, you know what? We could probably make some extra money off these nerds if we just release a director's cut. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's good, though, that they cut the scene out of this movie because then they could use it in uh, that Firefly episode. Oh. <laughs> I watched that one. It was uh, stupid. Mm. <sighs> Firefly. Anyway. Uh, Alien. So we're done with the verse. Let's uh, let's get out of here. Self destruct! Yay! Kaboom! We didn't make a 69 joke. That's probably for the best. <laughs> bro. Yeah. Uh, That's what she said, bro. <sighs> this is episode 69. Fist bump. Oh.